Hi guys, welcome back to the Revive Stronger podcast. I'm your host, as always, Steve Hall, and this is part three, the final part, with Brett Contreras and Coach Kasson talking all things glutes. They go in depth about sumo stance, the use of bands, and also frog pumps. Lots of nuance, lots of heated discussion where these guys are clearly very passionate about what they do. And as ever, guys, if you do enjoy the podcast, please share it with your loved ones, your friends, anyone who you think might be interested. Give us a really solid review and rating over on whatever podcast provider you're on. And if you are on YouTube, give us a like, a subscribe, maybe comment below. It's all very helpful stuff. We appreciate you. But without further ado, let's get into the final part of the episode. I mean, talk about the frog pump. Yeah, yeah. I mean, welcome to uh, welcome to being on social media. That's not something that's <laughs> unique to you. And you know, I mean, I, I I see how the conversation is going here. And I'm not gonna like bring up any of my misgivings with you or the things that you said. I'm only interested in talking about the information here. So you know, I'll just never be a, the the perfect human on social media that you are. Um, but yes, I'm, I'm the not, modeling that we do, I'm you know. Saying- perfect at all i don't have I'm, yeah i'm, I'm, I'm just gonna do you the favor and just stay on on this all right where um i lost my train of thought now um for yeah, pumps so, yeah so <laughs> we move on like, to banded work okay okay move on to bands real quick yeah this is big good because my question on especially when we come to bands and so here maybe i can ask you at least one question uh through this is is that um when it comes to abduction Right. I think the place, honestly, the place that we differ the most, because the majority of what you just asked me to say is actually stuff that I already say, but you probably only get whatever piece of content or whatever somebody's copied, 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 that is just the most, like, we'll say triggering to you because that's why it's, it's getting to you. Nobody sends you like, Hey, look at here where Kasim agreed with you or where Kasim made this like nice nuanced statement. It's always like, Hey, check out this little fucking thing. Um, but when it comes to abduction, I think the place where we probably actually disagree the most um, is why try and train abduction hip extension simultaneously rather than just train abduction in a plane that would suit that tissue. I think if there's one place where we are the most diversion, it'd probably be the use of banding abduction while trying to do like a sagittal hip extension. Okay, so... I'll address that in one second, but I have a picture here of my client, Vanessa. Here she is doing a kickback, an angled kickback, your favorite, mm-hmm. quadruped hip extension, a lateral band walk, a hip hinge abduction, a seated hip abduction, and a standing hip abduction. Mm-hmm. And what makes me mad is like these exercises, when you train bikini competitors, they're huge because... They can't get like NPC, you make it to IFBB, you can't get too big a quads. It's really hard to grow the glutes without growing the quads and the hamstrings. So you have them do two band workouts a week and they dread their, they dread these band workouts more than they dread their heavy workouts. They're brutal. I do them. They light my glutes up. I get the greatest pump. And there's a lot of different movements that can be done with the bands. And I have, yes, screenshots of you guys saying, over and over, like many of them, Kaz, like Brett's, like basically there's one influencer who sells these bands who's completely fraudulent. And I'm going, I'm fraudulent because I push these bands, which work great for bikini competitors, which these are awesome exercises. I just showed you that according to OpenSim, 
and EMG seated hip abduction works well. All of this, I disagree with you, but I'm not trying to like, I could give a crap about the profit I make off of these bands. I believe in them. But you're saying right here, bands while you do squats or while you do hip thrusts. Well, I see your point, but you say they prevent you from getting full hip extension. And I kind of agree with you because I, I, I realized that years ago, if I came to the top and then did abduction, your hips sink. But you can still play around with the band, play around with the abduction, play around with the length of the band. You can still full, get full hip extension. They're clearly, these are both have bands on, they're getting full hip extension with the bands on. Now, your point is, why would you do them both at the same time when you could do them both individually? I'm generally in agreement with that. Like, I don't like combination movements. I don't like someone doing a back extension into a row or a squat into a press. But in this case, here I did, I didn't publish this. I should, I could have, I got. Yeah, I saw that this is this the same one from your video. The frog pump. But yeah. if you look at the upper glutes, the band is through, the band, band is much higher. That's for These are all done body weight, right? Body weight would just band, yeah. Yeah, so if you, if you take people with, and you do several body weight variations, <laughs> and then on one variation you put a band, that's not load equated. Okay, but there are two published studies on the squat that show higher activation, and they show that it didn't interfere with the number of reps that they got, which I disagree. I, I disagree with that, but that's what the study showed. I think if you do wear a band, you're gonna. But my point is, if you have a, if you put on like one of my glute loops level three, that's gonna screw up your squat. A small, if you put on a small level three, you're not putting that. That's gonna make you valgus like crazy. It's going to throw off your mechanics, but if you have a, an extra large one, you can keep those out. Will it increase glute activity without, without, um, all right. So I don't prescribe. What I like to do is I hip thrust three times a week. We do so many variations. And that's what sometimes I wonder about like your programming and, and some of these other guys that bash so many extras. I'm like, I'm always on a quest. Cause I write, I write like 10 to 20 programs a day sometimes. And I have all these clients and I'm trying to please them and they're bored. And I'm always trying to come up with new variations while sticking to the same big movement patterns. But we typically hip thrust, you know, two, three times a week. And so I will have one of the variations be a higher rep hip thrust. Maybe it's a pulse, a hip thrust pulse with bands, barbell plus band. But in my opinion, it doesn't, it theoretically could rob Actually, there's a student doing a, a study on this. Theoretically, it could make it harder for the glute medius and upper glute max. But my question to you is like, you'll say, oh, it just, like, I don't think you're understand, or maybe I'm wrong here, that you're working hard on the whole way through the movement. So at the bottom of the movement, you're in the transverse plane. And then at the top of the movement, you're still pushing out in the frontal plane. So you're going to get more glute medius, obviously, throughout that. And then you're going to get a little more upper glute max, but it could rob you maybe of a lower glute max stimulus if you get less reps. So for that reason, I always say always once a week, make sure you do non-banded, like once a week, do your non-banded. And then you know, like you're just straight hip thrusts or pulses, whatever you want to do. But then the other two variations are just complementary. They're supplemental. It's kind of like when DUP became popular and people started squatting three times a week, great. They started seeing great gains and then everyone started getting FAI and hip pain. So I don't like 
hitting the same just hip thrust three times a week very often. A lot of times it's one hip thrust and then two, a variation of each. But I can see your point, like, why do both? But it's because it's we do a lot of it. There's a lot of frequent, you've got a lot of opportunities to train the hip thrust. Yeah, um, but my argument would be, so, I mean, what what is the goal that you're hoping to accomplish with having the band on there? Because if it's more That's upper true. glutes and by upper glutes, you're looking at um, iliac glute and glute medius, you're trying to increase the activation of those. Well, if I'm looking at what I consider a good exercise, which isn't just the EMG, but it's also the range of motion and how much tension we can generate and stuff like that. I'm like, well, I'm going to choose a abduction exercise to train the abductors rather than to try and do abduction hip extension at the same time. Because yeah, if I'm going to do, if I was going to do a thrust, a bridge, or any of those just hip extension movements, then I'm doing that. I'm doing the sagittal extension for the femoral portions of the glute max the lower portions of the glute max that's the motion that they move in right those exercises that's that's where they're so i'm going to make them as good as possible for that i'm not going to bother taking away from them to throw throw something on there and risk the chance of getting submaximal stimulus in two areas rather than getting maximal stimulus where i want if we look at the range of motion thing right like if you are actually putting good tension in those abductors they once you get into a certain degree of hip extension they become hip flexors right like at a certain point of time they would want to start pulling the other other direction right because they can't get to the same degree of extension that the glute max can right and so it has to be limiting in some way but that being said something like a hip thrust isn't full full hip extension anyway right i mean sagittally it's it's very difficult to get to full hip extension right and anything that's even remotely closed so like if we're not talking about something where you can rotate freely and abduct exactly where you need to be you're not getting into the negative degrees of hip extension very often in a thrust or bridge type motion you're getting to neutral maybe some people get a little bit past that so you could make the argument of like well in those motions are we not getting quite to the end range of hip extension where it's there but i would still say what likely the it does get you into those degrees if it's not the hip thrust so it would have like you you almost always have to have a unilateral movement because you just need freedom of the joint to be able to externally rotate enough and articulate into the like that perfect slot of abduction and then your extension vector would actually if we're talking about the lower fibers would actually need to start to come back towards midline so unless you could you know push your foot through your other foot like it's just it's just not physically physically going to be there i mean it gets very short it's just like i mean there's a lot of things where there's just no way for us to train them in the extreme degree of range of motion well, bilateral right another point that i've seen you make um, you said that you don't want to ever do like the scoop method and post your pelvic tilt because that robs you of hip extension. Is that true? No, it's just in that case, you're kind of, you're doing the hip extension in a position where you're not overcoming resistance. So it's essentially a low tension way of doing hip extension. If you're, if you're letting, if you're letting, because you're kind of letting the joints articulate freely then, right? So you're taking away mechanical tension to do a post tilt versus driving hip extension but as far right. as in the joint in the joint capsule like in if you were somehow inside the acetabulum would you be able to know the difference 
And there, well, the thing is, is that if you are, because you're changing the spine, right? And so your, your opposers to the glute muscles and hip extension are the psoas and the iliacus muscles, right? And so if you are driving the spine back, right, then you are, you're actually pushing that hip flexor in the opposite direction, which is going to limit extension on the other side, right? So if you are, because if, if, as you go through a post tilt, if you pull the lumbar with it, and so the lumbar is coming out of extension, right? Then you are then creating less room to extend. So the relationship at the acetabulum, yes, would be different in that instance. Real quick, did you say that, all right, you said that when you post your pelvic tilt, you're going to activate the hip flexors as well? No, what I'm saying is, is that is if the, if the lumbar spine, right, is moving backwards as you posterior tilt, right? That is a that is lengthening or flexing, moving the flexing. that's moving the origin of the psoas flexing away the from the femur, right? Which means that now you have less length there to give eccentrically during hip extension on the other side. All right. So if you were to say, here's hip extension, all right, here's the acetabulum, you can move the thigh your inflection. Now you're in neutral, now you're in hip hyperextension versus posterior pelvic tilt where maybe the femur stays there and you just rotate around. At some point, you run out of range of motion. You can't post your tilt more. At some point here, you run a range of motion. You can't hip hyper extend, but it's mm -hmm. far. There's no difference. You reach the same degree of shortening. In that model there with no antagonist muscle tissue, that makes sense. But understand that if you measure the distance between the origin of the psoas, right, and its insertion, that it would not be the same length. And the thing that's going to like the antagonist muscle is part of the amount of range of motion, right? So in order to fully shorten the lower divisions of the glute, right. we have to be able to the lengthen the psoas. Shortening here as you did here on the hip flexor, because you're reaching the same degree of the same degree of hip hyperextension. To me, posterior pelvic tilt at the top of a hip thrust is the same as hip hyperextension. However, I do agree that it makes the exercise a little bit easier as far as you don't push the bar quite as you're, high. Yeah, you're not you're not acting on any load to do it. But it, but when we start doing that, back pain went away because <laughs> everyone was yeah. Hyper well, that's it's a decompressive force on the lower back. Right. Right. Yeah. And if I mean, if you took somebody that was hyperextending, and then you told them to add more posterior tilt, which brought them to a better position, then I could absolutely see that. Or the fact that you're just actually or having that decompression. We've come with that scoop method for years. So it was like everyone just tried to stay in neutral, but it's like with deadlifts. You know that last rep with 90% of people, they're going to round. You know what I mean? And that was mm -hmm. the same thing with hip thrust. With 90% of people, their last rep, they're going to overextend. So it's just a way of kind of cleaning that up. But then I started realizing, all right, I went full scoop. And then I went, nothing was wrong with a hinge. <laughs> so now I like both of them. But um, all right, I think we we're, need to wrap things up. Do you want to tackle the, uh, uh, real quick. Here was a study on squats, by the way, that looked at bands. And here's the, the glute max. And it, it mm -hmm. just shows a little bit higher glute activity with the bands. And it didn't show decreased reps, which I don't agree with. I think you have yeah. to, you won't get as much. If you're a high-level squatter and you have bands on, so I don't, I'd like to yeah. see that study duplicated, but it was interesting to see that. Well, and, and almost all of the published research positions the, the sensor in a place where a large 
portion of the activity is going to come from the superior or the iliac glute max, which is the abductant division, right? So in that, if you do like say, oh yeah, okay, there's anything pushing out, well, you're going to get that. So, but if you're hinging, you're not hinging for that. So it's like looking at that marginal increase in activity there. I'm like, yeah, that really doesn't help. What I would like to see is lower glute positioning of those sensors in those studies. Yep. I see your point, but do you see my point that one day a week we do normal hip thrusts always, and then the other two days a week are going to be variations that can include a band? I don't think you're going to mess things up when you're hip thrusting three times a week, and maybe one of those days is a band. I just think you could be a lot more efficient with your time by just doing just more just swapping the thrust for direct abduction or, or doing like some abduction with extension type thing. Your programs like month out, like I, when I write programs, it's every four weeks, mm -hmm. I write programs. And it's just like the same exercises all the time, because you have like, these are the best exercises or do you throw in more variations or. Cause I, would think I mean, we don't throw, we don't throw variation in for the sake of just variation. Every variation is purposeful. Right. Um, and I would say that like over time, it's more of a, of rotation. So like the volume, the, like the number of, so ironically, even though we've come up with more exercises per se, um, for a lot of things, especially lower body, because you just have, you have fewer options than you do for upper body is a lot of it is rotating the best exercises. Um, and the variety is coming more and we'll say like, I don't want to say the side or accessory exercises or whatnot, but like it's, it's very goal dependent, right? So we may have one phase where, you know, we are focusing a lot more on the extension component. And then, you know, for whatever other reason, like from volume allotment, there's not a lot to train the abduction component, but maybe the following phase, whatever we're doing with quads and hams now allows for us to have more volume to, you know, contribute to that. So yeah. It's hard for me to generalize the way we program because I mean, program is essentially problem solving for that individual, right? The equipment that they have, the goals that they have, and you know what you're trying to do there, right? So if we our variation is is very fluid depending on the goals of the individual, right? At that point in time, right? But um, it's not just we don't just like say, hey, we're doing this a lot, so we're just gonna throw another thing in there. My my point of view would be like, hey, if we're doing this a lot and it seems like we're doing it too much. It wouldn't be like to make a slight modification there. It would be like, Hey, probably this maybe leaves a opportunity or a space to target something different. Right. And I would, so I would, I would still be, I would still say it's probably much more efficient instead of doing bands on the knees and doing a sagittal hip extension to drop some of the sagittal extension and just add more direct abduction work. But yeah. that, that's, 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 that would be my approach, right? Yeah. So um, I don't think that you're getting, I don't think that the bands, because of the limited range of motion, the limited load, I mean, and how do you standardize like how much you're pushing out against the band, you know, and progressively overload that very well and stuff like that. So to me, I just think it's it would be an inadequate stimulus there that is really hard to monitor versus adding a direct abduction exercise that you could get more range of motion, better loading, and you'd be able to progress. Totally, totally understand that point of view. And I, I question that myself. I have for a lot of years. Um, but again, I just, I, I like it because some people love it. And a lot of times it's like, you want someone to see results, keep things in that they love whilst getting them to, it's always this give or take. But 
There's two more things we need to talk about if we can squeeze these in. One of them is this sumo stance versus narrow stance. And then the last one is frog pump. So if we can go fast on these, we can squeeze them in. The, frog, the sumo stance stuff is interesting because what I want to show you here is if you think that the stretch is that important, because you say narrow stance is best for stretching the glutes, I agree. Well, then why not take it farther and say everyone should every... Every single leg movement you do, you should curtsy, and every bilateral you should valgus. Well, um, for the valgus one, that's the wrong direction of rotation for one. Um, but well, if we I valgus, do I feel a bigger stretch. Like if I go, I feel a bigger stretch if I come. Yes, but you also limit your flexion, right? So, what, okay, so Brett, while you're there, uh, what do you show me? What you think is a fully stretched? lower glute max i'm all sore from squats two days <laughs> okay so fully stretched you want me to round my back too or keep it on so the, I'm, I'm unsolicited you tell me what you think like if you had to fully stretch your glute max what would it be going keeping my knees out so i would go here but if i yeah i don't know i guess I don't feel much more of a stretch doing valgus, but yeah. Yeah. So valgus isn't going to help because essentially internal rotation is going to limit your flexion. So fuck, I don't know if I have enough room for this, Steve, if I break my neck, uh, <laughs> you gotta, you gotta finish on your own. All right. So I'd appreciate this, it right? demonstrating exercises here. <laughs> yeah. So if I, if I do my best, like karate kid impression here. Okay. So when we're looking at flexion, right, as we get into here, we're limited on flexion narrow because we're basically, the internal rotation is making us run out. So as we come out here, we create space for that and we get more flexion, right? But the other way that we can get more flexion and actually stretch the glutes around the pelvis and get way more length is by actually coming over into this external rotation. So if I actually wanted to lengthen these fibers, I would actually need to be in a position here that I could actually come up and bring this way across like and there's no way that i can get this in a squat i'm sorry to like the thing because because of the position of my hip right so i couldn't accomplish this here i couldn't even accomplish it in a narrow press because a narrow press is still gonna i'm gonna be totally, limited okay. because i totally agree with you on that one but what about okay so you convinced me there with bilateral i agree yeah with single leg then why wouldn't you want to if stretch is that important why not curtsy everything well we everything well so, so like, we have like lunges bulgarian split squats so if we look at lengthening this and we look at how it comes around the hip right the upper fibers of the glute max right so not medius right because they're on the outside are get the most stretch by coming across the nut so this would be my curtsiest position here does that make sense right now, the lower divisions of the glutes, because they're more narrow and they're not going to go outside, they're going to come underneath everything, are going to be stretched more in more sagittal, less across, right? So essentially what we have is a position where it's like, oh, these are going to be more stretched up here, whereas the outer is going to be more stretched here, whereas yeah. the glute meat is going to be even more rotation and pulled up over this way. So... The reason not everyone is because 
for the exercises that we have, some were actually because we can't do that rotation, we're going to get more length out of sagittal flexion coming more towards like same side hip chest because we can't do that twist in a leg press. And if you twisted that much, you would just fall over. So the complexity of trying to load those positions is a huge obstacle, right? Even if you're doing them. Hey, Pascal here. I just quickly wanted to remind you of our online coaching service. At Revive Stronger, we put a huge emphasis on the personal aspect of our coaching. And if you want to take your physique and knowledge to the next level, hit the link in the description below. Stretch even that important given, given that model, you know, with the glutes, you know, the passive, the passive, um, you know, is, is stretched. Well, here's a question in that model or I shouldn't say in that model, um, how much data do you, how much data do we have on people doing exercises in the positions that I just showed you? Can you think of one piece of data, right? So the amount of research that we have on people actually doing fully lengthened glute exercises in the published research is, is this much, right? And that's the case for a lot of muscles, right? Same thing for how much, how much, data do we have on people doing like a lot of the n1 exercises that we teach that we're looking at these bias like line of pull base range of motion so you know if it's not much then those wouldn't matter but coincidentally well if you look going at this, into those like the passive not being as high as the active maybe the stretch isn't as important as that but that's all theoretical we don't know but i i just yeah. think are there any cases where, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but it, it, I don't, I think there are cases where people go wider and they get deeper. Now that doesn't well, mean, that doesn't mean they're getting a lot more length in glutes, but I wonder. Yes. Yeah. Cause if you go the the most amount of flexion you can get is to go super wide. Right. But you actually, because the glutes are no longer articulating around the pelvis in the same way, they don't lengthen as much, but you lengthen the shit out of the vertical fibers of the adductor by kind of going out in the plane of the sartorius. Right. So that's that super wide stance there. Right. I can go yeah. deep when I go wider, I go, I'm like, I can barely get to parallel wide, but I have some clients yeah. that go, they can go deeper when they're a little wider than they can go mm -hmm. narrower. I wonder if they get a better stretch that way. Um, but either way, uh, moving on with the, at, with the sumo stuff. All right. Interestingly with open sim, when you, uh, if I have adductors and you look at the moment and the moment arms, it looks like you kind of shift them, but the glutes, the the glute the glutes with a narrow stance and then a wide foot flared, okay. You look at the what, a narrow stance with a wide foot flare like like narrow duck stance, style. Narrow stance versus wide. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I was confused. I was like, how do you do narrow stance? It's not quite accurate because this is what it looks like. It's like hip extension. Okay. It doesn't incorporate knee knee extension with it. So imagine doing hip extension. Or external rotation that you would need to do a squat or a sumo. Right. Well, I tried to turn the foot out, but it's, it's so it's not exactly right. Okay. This does not mm -hmm. perfectly mimic a sumo deadlift. However, this is glutes, you know, the glutes. So it just kind of shifts things, but it doesn't, the glutes are still the primary hip extensor. The adductors don't even come close. So according to the modeling, Wide sumo would still be heavily glute oriented, 
It's just that, yes, you feel, and then it's interesting because the adductors seem to have even, um, like with the narrow stance, here's the adductors with a narrow stance versus a wide stance. See this? See how the moment arms mm -hmm. change? Or sorry, the moments, and the moments reflect the moment arms. I have a graph of that too, but basically, it looks like going wide improves the leverage of the gluteus maximus and diminishes the leverage a little bit with the adductors for hip extension. And if we go by EMG, you know, there are studies showing equal, studies showing less, but I think the plethora of studies would show greater oh, EMG. Oh, no, it won't work because of my filter. <laughs> oh, there we go. Ah, and it's gone. Um, ha. See, this is the secret that you guys don't <laughs> that you guys don't know about right here. Um, well, you can't see it because of this zoom filter thing. Um, so mo most of the stuff that's out there for EMG is testing the longest, which of the adductors is a flexor, right? So it's only the the vertical fibers, the adductor magnus are the ones that you have to test, right? They're the ones that have the moment for hip extension, and they also are innervated completely differently. They're innervated with the hamstrings, whereas all of the rest of the adductors the are innervated down the same pathway as the hip abductors, right? But I haven't looked at that. The hamstring part is sometimes called the hamstring part of the adductor magnus. Mm -hmm. My point is it doesn't – okay, you, I know you feel your, your adductors way more when you do sumo. My, oh my God, if I haven't done sumo in a while and I do sumo squats or I, I'm sore for days, but I don't think it diminishes what the glutes do. Because I've heard basically, God, these posts, chasm, that go around is that ad, sumo stances, all adductor, no glutes. And Can according I, to go ahead. Let me put this in a, in a different perspective because you, you, you keep using the open sim thing. And I mean, I've tried to kind of like, show why that's not something that we look as like this is the absolute um but let's let's look at that scenario of just saying okay you say if we the, so what does we mean like we at oh, n1 me n1 yeah um who is n1 by the way so who is n1 yeah. like 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 what you want me to send you a staff list of like who we are or heard of anyone other than you i'm sure there's a few people right i just well know. i mean i mean i'm the face right but you know yeah i mean we have a group of coaches we have some people that do um that collaborate with us on research stuff and whatnot so yeah i mean it and for for all sakes and purpose and one is me and the people that work for me if, if that makes sense right okay so let's 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 look at this through the lens of you have the glutes and the adductors that are both contributing to hip extension in the sumo deadlift we're talking deadlift squat whatever wide a wide stance you know something okay so let's look at it through the lens of an exercise is going to have a limiter meaning that there's going to be a tissue that basically when it's done your efficiency to do that movement drops off directly Right. So this is where, like, you know, if we're looking at the effective reps theory or whatever it may be, it's like what you're trying to do is you're trying to make sure that the exercise that you're doing, right, is that that tissue is the limiter. That's the thing that's accumulating the fatigue because that's where the stimulus is going to come and whatnot. So in these instances, sometimes where you have something that this is, has a direct line of pull, but it doesn't have the most favorable moment, right? That means that. This here is the best solution for the motion, even though it might have to work a little bit harder mechanically, right? And that means that it's actually going to 
fatigue a little bit more. So what I was trying to show you is, is that when we measured and I did wide stance versus mid and narrow of leg press, and I did the same thing for squat, um, I still need to do, uh, we still need to redo deadlift. Um, you looked but, at adductors and glute max? Yes, adductors and glute max. And we looked at lower glutes, right, as well as the upper glutes, if you will, right? And we see it like it's a direct correlation. I'll send you guys the, the, the results if you want that I was trying to show you, right? But basically, the adductor and the glutes are, are inverse and in that the wider that you went, then the less lower glutes it was and the narrow, the more lower glutes that it was and the inverse for the adductor. So in that instance, you have the adductor that is going through a great range of motion, right? And it's lined up very well with the motion right? And your body's trying to utilize that as much as possible. It's likely going to be the limiter in that. And there's going to be stuff left in the glutes because they're one, they're mechanically a little less direct, even though they do have a moment, right? It's not the most direct. So because they're being demanded, like if they're being recruited less and they have a greater mechanical advantage, they're not going to be what is fatiguing in that motion. So when we're looking at this from hypertrophy sake. This is one of the reasons we focus on looking at line to pull and matching it up with what we see on the EMG is that if like, okay, what if what I'm probably seeing then is that this is the actual limiter of that exercise is meaning that it's not just, it's not who moved X amount of pounds. It's who got the stimulus, right? And that's one of the flaws of just looking at moments because sometimes it's like the thing that had the advantage is actually not the thing that's going to be the limiter in the exercise where, where practical right. experience comes into play like right like i like front squats but a lot of point, people point out i think you can't push the quads quite as hard as you could because you know you start to shift forward i appreciate that argument i still love front squats but yeah i totally see your point with that however because i'm going for this big sumo deadlift friday I've been training and I've noticed if I train sumo squats and stiff leg deadlifts, I get better results than if I trained sumo deadlifts. So I don't even train sumo deadlifts. I mm -hmm. build up my sumo squats and my stiff leg and then I got all I need. So I hadn't yeah. done sumo in a while and I, I did them and I, I hadn't done them in a while, but it's funny. Yes, my adductors um, get sore always when I start incorporating sumo, but my right glute, <laughs> my low right glute, it, it's a little bit, a little, a little strain in there right now. And then I, I, I was worried that actually I did another session and I was worried that it was going to irritate it more, but it didn't. But I did feel that little glute strain there on the sumo stance. So my point is, I just wish that we could figure out, like, because you have this model that you have your own modeling that you like to do. But I know the whole strength training community and industry would love to see how you do that modeling and you publish exactly how you do it. Like I could look at the McGill model and look at how he does his, you know, his uh, intervertebral disc uh, studies and examination, how he figures out the compressive and shear forces and the torque and things like that, because then we could all look at it. And if, if I agreed with your model and then I, you could change my mind on some things, it's just, I haven't seen your model. And as for right now, when I use open SIM, I think that's the best model that we have. It does have flaws though, just like everything else has flaws. Mm -hmm. But I think it does. I think sumo stance works the glutes just as hard. Looking at that graph that I pointed out initially, that the active force curve of the glutes is possibly highest in the in neutral. Anything that gets you a little more to neutral. So you think you're thinking of stretch. I'm thinking of active force. That's why I like turning the feet out during back extensions. 
I like posture pelvic tilting. I like ab wide stance sometimes because they do get you more to that short position and they have higher EMG. Whether that EMG is some artifact of muscle length or if it's true, it's actually legit. We could, I guess we'd use fine wire with that. It could be legit and that it just, it's actually the brain knowing, oh, this isn't a mechanically advantageous position. I'm going to activate it to a higher degree. These are things we need to figure out over time, but we can ag agree to disagree. Just we shouldn't, I shouldn't go make 10 posts going like sumo, anyone who thinks narrow stance, you know what I mean? That's what I wish I'd see less of because you, you, I don't think you understand, Kaz, when you do these posts, I get attacked and I get all these on DMs, thoughts. Anytime I see thoughts, I know that it's going to be a, Post. You act like this is a one-way street, buddy, but yeah. I know, okay. I'm sure. And I'm not saying I'm perfect, Kaz. I'm not saying I'm, I, I am very prone to getting pissed off and having temper tantrums and all that. So I, but, but we're, we're this, this podcast, this debate is a good start yeah. because showing yeah. that here's my cards, here's your cards. Okay. I can see now more that chasm is more, um, more, um, God, uh, like Less Lane, black and white. Lane Norton online is a prick. Lane Norton in real life is the greatest <laughs> guy. You're, you're a lot easier to, to argue with than I imagined you would be. And we're getting, we're, this is a fruitful discussion. We're having, we're getting, gaining some progress. And when we can look into the things more over time, yeah. you know? Well, I, f I feel like I've mostly just been holding the punching bag for the last two hours, but I want like, I want to make sure you get out everything that you wanted to get out, right? And if we do this again, then 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 I'll come back a little bit more. I'll, I'll bring out the mean asshole castle. <laughs> One last thing with the frog pops. All right, I walk with my feet out. My client Ashton, my God, he did he did squats with his feet straight out yesterday, and he looked fine. He was laughing that I've never seen a guy walk more duck footed. We love frog pumps. There's a certain percentage of people who have their feet out that love frog pumps. And it's my, that exercise, if I do like Smith machine frog pumps, I, time, time again, I get the biggest pump of my life to the point where I can hardly walk out of there. I've heard you say that you don't think the pump is that big of a deal. I think it's proof that you really work that muscle really well. Um, but I love frog pumps. I think they're my best glute exercise well i think hip by hip thrust because it moves you through more range but i do love the frog pump and i think there's a lot of people who love frog pumps and then there's some people who hate frog pumps for some people you can just bring the legs up a little bit and then they like them more but other people should just do glute bridges instead we can agree to disagree because i've heard your stance on things but one thing i do want to point out is you say that they're injurious and i feel like frog pumps are the new crunch you know, my first published article that I ever published was to crunch or not to crunch in 2010, I believe. And um, my God, the industry came at me so hard because back then Stu McGill had convinced the world that crunches destroy you. And I'm going, I reviewed the literature. I read like 400 studies, me and Brad Schoenfeld on disc physiology and biomechanics. And I'm like, I don't see it. I don't think it's that bad. I think we repair. Now there's research that we repair, we repair. Now people have kind of gone the other direction of Stu saying like, you should prepare your tissue for things. But for a while, I was like ostracized from the community because they thought I was a contrarian. They thought I couldn't possibly believe that crunches weren't bad for you. I'm just looking for popularity, which mm -hmm. was not the case. Well, now 
people are just saying frog pumps destroy your hips and sacrum based on what they've heard you say. And I want to understand the mechanism. How do you think they do so? How would they hurt your sacrum, for example? Yeah, well, that's a misinterpretation of what we said that it damages the sacrum. And I believe there actually is a post uh, by one of our guys that did say something to that extent. And so I will just go out and be like, yeah, that we don't say that it hurts the sacrum. The 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 actual language originally that that all dissected from was is that in that position, right, that you're doing the frog pump in with the hips out, but there's an internal rotation force. Is is that basically there will be like a a jamming action that will limit your rotation and you're kind of co-contracting against yourself there. And so, you know, I, and I, and I saw your post that said like that nobody's ever been hurt or injured from doing frog pumps and. I will say I've never, well, I don't, I don't have people do frog pumps, so I never had anybody get injured during frog pumps, but we, I have plenty of stories where we have had people that have been coming in and they've been having, you know, some hip pain or some low back pain, and they've been doing a program that has been with, you know, banded hip thrust and frog pumps, and we eliminate those. And that's the only intervention that we make. And those problems have resolved by just removing that. And I think it's more of the, it's the more of probably what's going on is, is that in that constrained joint position, people are sitting here and they're trying to contract maximally is, is they're just probably just displacing tension in places that are causing them to be rigid or be a little bit more inflamed versus it's not a physical destruction of the sacrum. If that makes sense, it's more of a, it's more of a stress of the, that sacral joint. Well, I, I see your point, but I will say like physical therapists are guilty of this. They'll be like, God, deadlifts are bad for you because every person I come that comes to me, like my back hurts. Well, what are you doing? Deadlifts. Well, they don't. We take away deadlifts and yeah, you know, right. Yeah. I know where you're going with that, but it's not that we took away. Yeah. It's like, if anything, we added more loading to their body, but just not with those exercises. I'm sure there's some people who don't tolerate frog pumps well, but I would think it would be more in their hips, not the sacrum. Cause I'm just wondering how it could, I mean, the, the you got the glutes cross the SI joint produce, produce some compression, yeah. a good thing, right? Like getting that force closure is a good thing in general. So how could that irritate? Unless, unless that joint is getting inflamed and creating compression on the nerve. And that's, what's actually creating the pain down the hip. But I guess I'm wondering how, why the frog pump, compared to other because if you have a wide stance that's acting on the I think hip. I think it's because of the paradoxal position with the so you're going into a frog pump because you want the externally rotated position right but it's the lateral side of your foot that is on the ground which means that the force that you're putting into the hip is actually internal rotation combined with external rotation to be able to maintain that position right and so because there's that co-contraction there right because if, if you're pushing into the outside of your foot that's an internal rotation force but to hold the knee out is external rotation and this so because i've seen i've seen you do the frog pumps and your knees come in as you go through the concentric and i've seen other people do it and their knees go out during the so basically that's that balance of how much internal versus external rotation somebody is using as they're pressing into the floor but you're having to use a combination and so because you're essentially trying to rotate the hips in both directions as you go through extension thing before like i never even yeah, I don't think you're. So if you, 
Right. I get it. I thought about making a post just to go at you on this one. This is that like I could make a cast pump. Um, and what we would do is that we would load the outside of the leg instead of the, uh, instead of the foot so that it was proper rotation and of like, yes, this is an improvement upon the frog pump because you're just, you're loading the extra rotation component instead of the intra rotation component, but you keep it, you do it. You call it the Brett pump, right? My, my No credit needed. JC Santana sent me that he had his legs up on BOSU balls and said, uh -huh. this is better than your frog pump, but I tried, I didn't like it. But anyway, um, yeah. All right, so, but I, I just want you to know, I think it's due to certain people's hip anatomy. If you categorically say frog pump's bad for everyone, I think if you experimented with some people who have their feet out, they might love it. And I think you've always thought of short extra rotation and things like that as not being good for your glute max because the glute, you've said, well, I've heard you say like the glute max is just a hip extensor. I'm like, wouldn't it be, if it was just a hip extensor, why wouldn't they be vertical and be more of a hamstring? Like, or they're, they're more pinnated. I don't know. I just, I think well, it's because of the way the force has to be transferred through the hip and the other comp. Otherwise we wouldn't be able to run and walk. If those fibers that were lined up vertical and they put all that force and hip extension, we would have no coordination to be able to run and, and walk. So there's a reason that everything is orientated the way that it does to utilize the pelvis and to make it so that we can have gait motion. They're well suited for X. I, some researchers like Donald Newman, he, he believes like this paper, kinesiology of, of, of uh, kinesiology of hip actions. And it says the glute max is the most powerful hip external rotator. It's, uh, you know, if you take into account, it's, it's, you have to look at the language though. Like if you look at the moment arm for external rotation, because it's far away from the joint. Yes. But that again is looking at its external rotation force in the absence of everything else. So that means that if you compared its external rotation force to its extension force, the extension force is dominant. But if you compare its external rotation force because of the big moment to other ex other things that have external rotator, it'd be like, well, yeah, the big thing on the outside looks like it, but you have to look at the net of its function. Um, like we're we're having discussions that like are very complicated from an anatomy perspective, right? And from a from a force modeling perspective. Um, but I would say yes. I mean the glutes do external rotation, but they do a proportionate amount of external rotation with their extension simultaneously as they go through their motion. They can't externally rotate the hip without exhibiting the force of ex of extension that they have, which will always be superior. Well, I guess what I would say is that what I, I go... Yeah. And once you externally rotate the hip, like if you, if you externally rotate the hip a little bit, those fibers are now lined up to do straight extension. Right. Then why do you say we should not flare your feet out during back extensions? Well, because the amount of extension has to be proportional to where the hip is, because you don't just have the glutes in, on their own. You have the mechanics of the hip joint, right? And so the neck of the femur, the amount of rotation greatly affects your ability to move that femur through the acetabulum, right? So if you... If, well, let's, uh, so those of you guys listening, right? If you're just standing and you just externally more, rotate your hips. I feel right? more, more extension at the top when I flare my feet out. You feel, I don't know what feeling more extension means, but you will, you will feel the, you will feel that. So if you would just stand and externally rotate your hips, 
you will feel that like just to stand up straight that everything on the posterior has to engage, right? But then if you just flex a little bit, it all shuts off, right? And that's because that's not because like in this position, there's a I, I'm overcoming this great resistance of hip extension because I'm now externally rotated, and that this is a great place to to do that work. It's because to maintain this joint position now with the way that I've orientated the femur, right, requires me to actually work harder because I'm actually getting the same, we'll say, view from the frontal plane is technically more extension when I'm externally rotated than if my hips are neutral. But if we actually look and we measure at the acetabulum, right, if we were to go into full ex hip extension, if I externally rotate too early, I will actually lose it. So it's about getting to external the amount of external rotation that you need at the right point, which is like when we're doing like kickbacks and stuff, we try and tell people not to have any purposeful intent in terms of externally rotating the leg unless they're doing something funny. Because what we want to happen is we want that we want that neck of that femur to orientate appropriately to the amount of extension. Because if the glutes are pulling, they're gonna pull into the ratio of extension and rotation that they need at every inch of the range of the motion, right? Versus us artificially going to external rotation early and then trying to move into that path because we're basically we're, we're disrupting the natural mechanics of the hip that way. Hi guys, Steve here. Just wanted to take a moment of your time to remind you of our online coaching service. At Revive Stronger, we pride ourselves on providing personalized service that will take your physique and knowledge to the next level. If you're interested, check the description and sign up. Guys, I think that's like, I'm not trying to be rude here. I just think that's completely made up. Like you could say that with every act. Then why do any closed chain movement? Because you're just going to artificially screw everything up. And it's not, why hold on to a barbell? We should only do open chain and dumbbell because then you can move through this perfect path. It's not like we're all just walking, ticking time bombs. We do a workout and destroy ourselves. It's, we can figure it out. The body's coordinated. It's it's robust. It's like I, I can turn my feet out and do a back extension. And if you pulled people and said, put your feet straight, put turn your feet out, everyone would say, like 80% of people would go, I like my, I feel my glutes more when I turn my feet out. And you would ignore those 80% of people and tell them they're idiots because they they're going off sensation, they're too stupid to know sensation. Well and then you'd ignore what the biomechanics say. So you'd ignore EMG, and then you'd ignore like muscle modeling. And you, it's like you have you have a better model than all the top biomechanists in the world, and you know more than all the lifters in the world. And you're smarter than me about glute max, and you're smarter than Brad Schoenfeld about hypertrophy. Is there anyone you respect? I respect almost all of you guys, right? Especially on a technical level. I don't think that me having to agree with everybody on every single thing they do, like there's nobody that I agree with 100% of the time. Like everybody that you listed off, I probably agree with way more than I disagree. And I think you could say the same thing to every one of them about everybody else in the list, right? Like there's, I, I don't think there's any of us that have a clone out there where it's like we agree with this person on yeah. absolutely everything, right? I mean, I, this this whole conversation has been it's never been published and we can't scrutinize it. And then you'll say, it's like this, this thing that can't be criticized. And you can say, well, my, my, my method is superior because the way the glutes are supposed to go, but it's like, why can't my model be criticized? Because we don't know what the model is. 
right? But I mean, you have an opposing point of view that you can defend, right? Like you have the reason that you believe what you believe, right? I mean, my model is pretty simple. It's it's me looking at tissue from the most lengthened to the most shortened position. Conceptually, that's fairly easy, right? Like from a modeling perspective, what we do is actually fairly fairly easy and to say that we're going against emg we emg all all of this stuff right and i would argue that like the protocols and the stuff that we do are is about as thorough as we can get like when we do something i try and measure every synergist as i can and look proportionately there that way we're not missing anything in terms of like well hey we thought this was better but really it's this other thing that's even moving to a, a greater degree so if I'm going to push back on you at one point in time, like I've, I've sat in here and I've listened to you like go on about, you know, whatever social media stuff or, or whatever. Right. Um, and all the things that you've said about me and to, to other people, et cetera. Right. But I don't care that people have opposing views. That's, that's awesome. That's where the discussion happens. I've never said that I a hundred percent, right. What I do is I defend my stance. If I didn't have, a logical reason for my position and, and defending it, well, then why would I think it in the first place, right? And so if you're just going to sit here and be like, well, because I don't agree with everybody on everything, therefore, you know, this is broken or this is a bad thing. Like we can sit here on a case-by-case -case basis and we can walk through well, what no makes sense and what doesn't. Do I have to say I, I'm 29, like nine times over. So, yeah, so I actually, I turned 39 on tomorrow. Oh, wow. Yeah. Thank you in advance. Well, here's all I'll say. I would like, all right, I could, I could make a post tomorrow that said, oh my God, Kaz didn't know that the active uh, force length curve was like this. He thought that every muscle got stretched. He thought that every muscle got its higher force in a stretched position. And he thinks that EMG is most insured. He's a fraud and he should give all the people who took his courses their money back tomorrow because he's a fraud. I would never do that. But you, you did that with me with bands and I love bands and I have a logical rationale. So I hope you stop kind of just assuming everyone's a fraud. That's where if you call me a fraud, you're going you're, you're gonna to anger me. And I, I'm not mad at you anymore. We had a good talk. I'm just saying... On social media, I think we should try to be a little more respectful because I have not come after you at all. I've tried to defend frog pumps. It's me on the defense. I could come after a lot of your stuff, but I kind of try and stay in my lane or like just, you know, forge the I, path. But I would love for you to come after our stuff you, technically. Popular chasm. You attack. It's like a common strategy when you're, when you have a hundred thousand followers, Go after all the people with more followers, and then you get more attention. I'm not saying that's why you do things, but I, I, I only hear you attacking, you know, Ben Pakulski and Mike Israel, and I've heard you criticize some things, Brad, and I've heard these things, and it's always the higher-ups. And I'm not saying we're smart. I think you're a very intelligent guy. I think you have so much, um, like, your mind works in amazing ways. I just wish you would take actual biomechanics. Like if you got your PhD in biomechanics, you'd be unstoppable. But the, 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 a lot of your ideas aren't, aren't like, you know, if I showed you some of these graphs and stuff, I don't think you, you, you would disagree with them, but then the way you do as a scientist, then you make a better model and you publish it. 
And I don't think you have any interest in publishing anything and things like that. So I know that I would take you more, more not saying take you more seriously, but collaborate more and be more invested. If I thought that you're actually making strides, like you mentioned your lab, you have equipment, you would, like we could work together. But I feel that way with Mike and Brad. We're on the same team. We're on the same page. I would love to do a debate with those guys because it would just be joking around and there's no egos involved. With you, I was a little worried because I'm like, I don't know. I feel like you've been attacking me for a couple of years now and I've got lots of screenshots of these things and I don't want to bring them out, but I hope we, in the future, like if we disagree with something, how nice would it be in the industry can say, let's co collaborate and, hey, we don't agree with this. Let's do a study and have an independent person do it. We'll fund it. That would be the direction I would love to go. Or like... All these sarcastic, I don't think you know how many screenshots I have. All these that are sarcastic, yeah, booty boys still giving frog pumps and banded stuff and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Like, I get are you are, are you sure that you have all of these of me? Um, not all of you. Yeah. Honestly, Brett, like, Stop. I'm I just going to say I'm Stop. sorry for everything that I've said that's 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 hurt you or 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 offended you but I can't sit here and let you exaggerate like what I've said you know I'm yes I 100% I'm sure I've said some things that were you know poorly worded I'm sure I've I've responded to things um like but what'd you say you like me to post them you you do you do whatever you like sir but like i mean the reason that this debate hasn't happened is because like i have i have reached out to you personally i have texted you i have called you right First time we talked, i said that barbalo study is not legit and then mm -hmm. you what i said and then you made two videos on it two hour long videos that it's not legit and then why would i ever I didn't again you made two I didn't. Told you it wasn't legit, and then it came out later that they're fraudulent. How are we doing, Steve? Are, are, can I are we, can I continue the conversation? I mean, I <laughs> I think I, just, I mean it. You guys have had a really, I think, generally a fruitful discussion to this last point, which I think is just a case of it's kind of it's humans being humans, you know, and a bit of social yeah. media and cross lines yeah. and you hear things down the hole and i don't know what's like i haven't seen the screenshots i don't know what's been yeah. said I, I i know these things happen but i hope overall like you guys yeah, can I come away from this and good, have more respect for one another potentially and yeah but i don't want to be drugged through the mud and not defend myself here right sure it's, you know like um but i also don't want to waste your your audience's time with the stuff that's between me and brett right i'm dragging you through like, the mud right now by quoting things that you've said to me and then but i've never said those things publicly about you or things like that so uh, you 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 I, like i have screenshots too you've you've posted you know stuff saying that we're frauds you know you went on a podcast basically inciting that we're we're fake fake experts you've like i have no interest in like sitting here and going back and forth and like trying to tally up a score i'm sorry okay. for everything in the past brett i would be happy if you would send any contrarian arguments about the actual ideas that i have right um in, in life that that, that that that's awesome right personal attacks yeah i'm ser seriously like i don't i personally like i don't take jabs i have my opinions 
on ideas, right? Do I think the frog pump is a good exercise? No. Do I think banding during doing hip extension exercises is good? No, right? Do I think abduction is good? Yes. Do I think the 90 degree abduction exercise is where I would spend my time if my goal was to train the glutes? No, I would do I would do abduction differently there, right? So those are ideas. Those are things that I disagree with you on. I have never made a post that says, hey, I think Brett is a bad person. I think he's evil or, or anything like that, right? Have I made some posts that probably, you know, were harsh and saying that I think these are stupid ideas, right? Yes. But I think, I mean, especially like in the last couple of years, I have really grown myself and I make much, much fewer of those posts, right? So the things that you're probably referring to, if anything, for one, are like super, super old. And I think a majority of them are things that aren't things that I've said directly, but are things that other people have said out of context. And, you know, the stack on both sides of this is is high. But I have never malicely like went to somebody that follows your methods and been like, you know, tried to like, you know, be like, hey, I don't like you anymore because you've, you you follow Brett stuff or because you whatever, or because you use this name for this exercise or whatever the hell it may be, right? And I've never threatened anybody over our difference of opinion on exercises. So I think, I think we can say that the scales are, are fair. And can we just, can we just move on? Uh, I, I, we can definitely move on, but you know, I'm going to be making posts defending the seated hip abduction and pointing out what is known and what is opinion awesome. and things like that. I, I don't, I'm not going to drag you through the mud though. I'm not going to do that. And I, I just hope that you remain open-minded in the future. Like if we if you want, we can collaborate. We can, Hey, let's see. Cause I wonder does seated hip abduction. It's like, all right, seated hip abduction. You do a study in beginners and you just have them do a bunch of seated hip abduction. And you watch their glutes grow. Boom. It works your glutes. Here's proof. It grew their glutes. Now, the next study, take advanced people who are already doing a good variety of exercises and add seated hip abductions and does it grow their glutes anywhere else? That's what I'm curious about. But I'm curious too about things, but I just wish we would, like that first time you texted me, that was a great opportunity for us to work together. And then you, mm -hmm. that backfired. So. Dude, on the Barbalo thing, like I didn't go out and say like, hey, the study's 100% true. Like everything that I talked about with that was, was, was before you admitted or before you posted your rebuttal, right? And the thing is, is that all I said was, here's my opinion on this. And my main opinion was, regardless of the results, my guess would have been that squats would have outperformed, outperformed hip thrust in a one-to-one -one on hypertrophy because of the difference in range of motion and the length and position, right? It was not a poop on the hip thrust. Our thing was is that you should still train both. I always get my more hypertrophy in the length and, you know, exercise that stresses the length and position. It's going to be apples to oranges. You're going to get way more hypertrophy with squats compared to hip thrust. Yeah. My problem with that chasm is that I train people for a living. You learn a lot when you train a lot of people. What do I, I do? Do you? I don't know. Do you train people? Yeah. Like, I just, I've never seen like before and afters and stuff like that. So I think when you do train people, you realize the hip thrust grows your glutes better than the squat on a one-to-one -one basis. At least I think so. I think a study would clearly show that an unbiased study. So I don't like when you come on and you make these definitive statements that are like, this is clearly how it would be. And this is this, and this is obvious. I would like, hopefully after this podcast, things aren't as obvious. Hopefully you've noticed things aren't quite as obvious. 
there's some gray area here and we should probably, you can do things your way. I can do things my way, but I don't, I hope we don't start. If I like doing band around the knees or seated hip abductions, you don't have to bash that. And if you like doing narrow stance leg press, I don't have to bash that. We, we have our, our rationale for doing it, you know? I don't think there's anything wrong with voicing an opinion where you say an exercise is not the most efficient option, or maybe it's not even not even worth doing, right? But if if you have a completely opposite opinion on that, that's fine. People can hear both arguments and make the decision for themselves. That's what these platforms and these discussions are for, right? So until we until we have something definitive, Those you have a is one hundred percent piriformis, zero percent glutes. That's what makes it go viral. And now that's that those when you when you make it so black and white, that's what makes it go absolutely viral. And then for the rest of us who actually like the seated hip, hip abduction, now we get it just I, I I wish you could understand it. I wish you got I don't know. I don't think you can understand how frustrating it is for a guy who I care about the glute science more than anything. And I don't like it when things are wrong. And I can't go correct that. You can make a post saying seated hip abductions work zero glute and 100% piriformis. Here's why. And I can make a post saying seated hip abductions are great for the glutes. Here's why. Yours will get shared a million times. Mine will get four likes because yours is negative and polarizing and mine's not. That's the way social media works. And you guys have benefited from that algorithm, you know? Well, one, that's I've never made that statement. Absolutely. 100%. I've never said that it's zero glutes. Right. And the only glutes I would be referring to when I would say it's very little would be the, the lower glutes, right, of, of, the, of the glute max, right? It's obviously going to work abductors, right? And so, yeah, I, 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 think, I, think, I think we're good here, right, in terms of where we want, where we want to go, right? You know, um, I think we would have different opinions. I think what you would like is, is that we're not a little, we're not so absolute on the on the, on those opinions or whatever right but you know yeah it is true that on social media that you know if you speak a little bit more absolute or a little bit more with a little bit more conviction that that stuff will do well right and so that the, there's the game of that but there's also the way of doing that that's that that is respectful right and so you know can 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 i have a strong opinion on something right that is different than somebody else's strong opinion on something you know Absolutely. Right. As long as it's just done in like, you know, somewhat of a respectful way. And if somebody thinks that somebody else's opinion is just so atrociously wrong, then yeah, I mean, you've been in this industry longer than me, you've been doing, I mean, you've been, you started doing this research forever ago, right? It's like, so I don't know, like, I feel like the onus is a little bit more on you that if you're like, man, these other people, which by the way, I'm not even close to the only person that shares these viewpoints. I wasn't the first either right it was not the first person to not like frog pumps or the bands or the first person to not like the seated abduction for glutes or whatever like that's there's the like so i think you're, you're taking well, the collective community of people that disagree with you and you're just like they're all cast them just you see cast fucking everywhere cast them and it's like you can't give me the credit for every dissenting opinion um that is out there we've had this conversation you, you, you see a lot of parents you know that yeah 
I'm like, why don't everybody like you have way more than I do, though? Like, I mean, like if if you're upset with what you're getting from me on my scale, you have to understand that I'm getting it 10 times fold for everything that you disagree with me on, you know, coming back the other direction. You have a much bigger influence and a much larger following than I have. You've been you've been doing it. You've been using social media significantly longer than I have. Right. I mean, for the most part. I'm sitting here fighting battles on all sides because I'm trying to do new stuff. Steve just basically gets me on here to have people fucking just try and beat my ass like <laughs> repeatedly. Like, I mean, you love I, sit, it, I, I, I do, <laughs> I love it. Like, and I, and I sit here and, you know, I come on here with the, with the intention of, Hey, this is going to be back and forth. And then, you know, sometimes it's like, you know, I'm just going to sit back and then seven, I'm going to do is I'm just going to let this person just give me everything they can to try and challenge what I have. Cause I'm going to take the most away from that. Then, than the reverse, right? I mean, I've done this with Mike, like, I don't know how many times now where it's just like, yeah. So the, the basically it ends up being an interview of, of me, or here's the list of things or whatever. Like I barely, I, I barely asked you, you, you any questions or, or had you, you defend anything right here. So that's, I'm, mean, that's me being very interested in, in your perspective and trying to be very respectful to let you, you know, like give me all of the critiques and ask me all, all of the questions that you would want. Right. And so hopefully that shows enough. Well, I hope it does interest you and you dive deeper because all I really yeah. have ever wanted is good glute science. I start off in this yeah. industry. People would tell me, bro, you should do this. You'll make way more money. I don't care about that. I'm blogging four times a week and then I'm giving out free information. I never cared about the money. It's always been about the science. And, but then it's lately it's felt, yeah, like I've been on the attack more. It's been frustrating because I haven't responded to a lot of it because people tell me, oh, don't get involved in that. Just look the other way. Just you do your thing. But it gets to a point where you can't ignore it. I've ignored these things for a couple of years. I've never voiced my opinion because I don't like the drama. So I hope there doesn't have to be drama. We can agree to disagree. And what's nice is that I, hell, I want to know the truth too. I'm open-minded to being wrong. There's so much I don't know. So let's work together in the future and let's try to be respectful and not, you know, everything people say get back to the other. I'm sure you've heard some things I've said and vice versa. So let's try to work together more because all I want is better glute training for the people and better, you know, <laughs> when my time is done in this world, I want to know that I did the best job possible at not only just strength training, like giving good strength training advice, but helping advance glute training to a much higher degree to where it was. And you can be an asset for that chasm because you, you have this creative brain, the way your brain works is very creative. Mm -hmm. I would just like to see you get involved, more involved in like the science, the, the you public know, things and all that. That's an area where you can help. I mean, because I'm trying, like, I have goals for my business and my brand. And so the reason that we're doing what we're doing is to improve what we can deliver in terms of education, right? And to be able to validate the, the like, the intangible things that we have, right? My goal in terms of publishing stuff is to hopefully stimulate other people to try and challenge that because of, because that automatically there's a bias if I decide to run a research on this thing that I think is true, right? So my goal, and I'm having conversations with people in different labs, is, is that, hey, if we come up with a model and a protocol to that we're looking at with EMG on top of that and whatever, is that can we then say, hey, this is what we did. 
we would like a third party to do it, right? And that's that's what that's what we're working towards. We are going to try and maybe get a book released, you know, in the next year or so that will basically kind of cover like this is how we've mapped the body, this is the model and how how we did it, and like basically basically an anatomy book based off of these biased positions and motions. So instead of looking at a list of muscle functions, you say, hey, you know, this goes from here to to here or whatever to like provide something that's more tangible to training, right? Instead of saying, well, I got to find an exercise that does these 16 things today or, or, or whatever, right? It's just like, oh, if I have something and it looks like this, then that's going to be pretty good for that tissue. But anyway, so yeah, I mean, you 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 have my number. You've had my number. I reached out to contact you. I told you that like I would be more than happy to travel to show you what we're doing because it'd be so much easier like than sitting here and looking at the open sim thing to be able to say, okay, so bring your open sim graph over here. We can actually position the skeleton and look at how look at those moments like on the physical skeleton instead of just the draft, but we can also look at the direction of all those things or whatever. And we can have a discussion about what we think is is going on there. And then we can say, how would we test that? How would we find that out? That's what I, that was what I suggested, you know, back then. Right. And then, yeah, some things happened between, you know, or some things, some things happened in your life at that point in time. Right. And, and then there was also the Barbella study or whatever. And then that whole notion got kind of set to the side. But if you, if you want to open up that opportunity again, then yeah, by all means. Yeah. I am more than happy to science and nerd the crap out of this stuff because we share that. And that like, my goal is to leave this, leave this space better. So what you may think is, is like, like, Oh, Kasim's this asshole that really disagrees with me on this one thing. Like every, like, you may not have agreed with my argument, but everything that I'm like, hey, I feel this way, hopefully I've at least convinced you that like I have a reason for thinking of that, whether you agree with it or not. It wasn't just like me being contrarian and being like, yeah, let's, what else can I come up with? It'll piss that Brett guy off, right? Like that's that's never the case, right? Got it. Well, guys, thank you, um, <laughs> yep. Stephen, thank you so much for having us on. Kaz, thank you for your time. I know we rambled on a little bit there, <laughs> yeah. but we had three hours so of, I know you still have my number <laughs> lots of content and yeah i just want to say thank you to you both because i imagine that was challenging on both ends for various reasons and for you to both communicate for three hours and stay on here and keep it to like mostly just like science and, and that's what it's all about in terms of and practice and how we're going to best get results and that's ultimately what everyone's trying to do i'm glad i can provide a platform and get you together to do this communicating and hopefully it's drawn like some lines of yeah so maybe you can collaborate in future and we can get even further with everything so thank you so much for coming here and being open to it because i think it's very easy to close off and it's clear that both of you have very kind of good intentions in that regard Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Brett. Cheers, guys. Thanks, guys. Thanks, have a good one. So guys, that is the end of our three-part series on the glutes with Coach Kasim and Brett Contreras. I hope it's brought up some productive thoughts for you. Maybe you've got some really great takeaways from these episodes. Do let me know what your takeaways are and your thoughts are in the comments. As ever, it's really nice to hear what you guys are thinking. I have many thoughts and I'm going to give you some of my takeaways like I did from part one and part two. One of those is being that bands can provide a unique stimulus and can be uniquely beneficial in some situations where maybe you don't want to be growing your hamstrings 
or your quads. And so doing more squatting, more lunging, more hip hinging maybe isn't the answer, but you can train the glutes maybe more in isolation through a bunch of different banded exercises that maybe you can't do in a gym format otherwise with other modalities. So they can be quite unique in that sense and maybe they can provide a variation when you're even doing a squat or a hip thrust or maybe there's different ways that you want to train that muscle that could be superior it's important to pick movements for a muscle that's going to have that muscle as the limiting factor and that don't take away from that in a sense and just remember that it's important to judge the data and not the person and allow always for people to give their rationale behind why they think certain things. And it's okay for you also, I think, to give your opinion on why you maybe think differently, but avoid ad hominem attacks. Don't attack the person for how they are as an individual, but more so their thoughts, their ideas, their philosophies, because I think that can then provide productive debate. And it's good to also be open-minded to other people's thoughts and opinions. And that is how we get better as practitioners and we move further towards the truth and the answers of which we're already always trying to move towards. And that's why we do such of these discussions and debates. So as always, guys, thank you so much for listening. I hope this has been informative. We appreciate you as always, and we'll talk to you soon. Take care. So I'm Steve Hall, founder of Revive Stronger and a coach of Revive Stronger. My name is Pascal Floor. I'm the co-owner of Revive Stronger and also a coach, of course. Your Revive Stronger has probably been going solidly for three years, probably roughly about three years. Revive Stronger, to me, it is becoming kind of my child, my foster child. It's the gathering and getting together of like-minded people. We've been expanding the coaching team, which is helping us help more people. Uh, but each coach can only help a certain number of people. Right now, it's all over the place. We have YouTube, we have Facebook, we have Instagram. But there isn't that community aspect behind that. And so the next step for us is developing a membership site. So basically we want to create a family and a community that is then benefiting from another. A really cool community for people within our little niche is gonna be a website. They will get early access to our podcast. You can access us, ask us questions, the community aspect. We have a forum there, you can ask questions, but also you can, you can lock your journey. There's also gonna be courses on there, courses, presentations on different topics, discount of past seminar footage. We will log our journey as well. We'll start vlogging. We're going to have documentaries, our entire athletic journey. Furthermore, they get access to an exercise video library. The exercises that we love for hypertrophy and maximizing hypertrophy, we're going to go through those in depth, telling you how to execute them. We kept them concise and also mobile friendly so that you can watch them in between your sets. I'm super excited to grow this community. The amount of value that we're going to be delivering is huge. And I'd love you to be part of it. You will get so much out of that. I'll see you inside.